Welcome to the next episode of Inner Leadership. Tonight, I'm going to replay a re the audio portion of a webinar that we carried out with Father Lawrence Freeman. If you want to see the, the video of this session, please go to our YouTube page, which will be linked in the notes. Please sit back and enjoy. My name is Des Sheehy, and alongside me, kind of hiding, is my producer and daughter, Hannah, who will be helping out on all the technical stuff. As you can see, Father Lawrence and myself, uh, combined age is a little bit old for doing these Zooms and these webinars. Um, hello and welcome to the latest webinar from Inner Leadership. Tonight, we actually go back to basics. Personally, personally, I am actually quite new to the practice of meditation, and I know a lot of our listeners tonight are not. But this has made me very curious about the nature and practice and history of meditation. And when I look at this, what I found is that in meditation, that there is a lot of common areas across all religions. And, but some of the core beliefs are non-sectarian. And though you may or may not find something spiritual about an element to meditation, it does lead to a lot of mental strength. Today on this webinar and podcast, we've had sports stars. Last week, we had the fastest man in the world. We had sports trainers, guys who trained the youngest, one of the youngest F1 drivers outside there. We've had lay practitioners and people who practices based on spirituality. And it's all about meditation, creating mental strength and how things can drive forward, which is in the name of this, is how you create self-leadership. Tonight, I speak to Father Lawrence Freeman. Father Lawrence is very, very special to me, as it is through him that I have been reintroduced to the practice of meditation. It's two years since I met Father Lawrence in London, where in his outhouse, shall we say, the house outside his monastery, We've had a lovely lunch, lovely meditation, and reawakened in me a desire to learn and a desire to find. Also, Father Lawrence's roots are in County Cork, the same as mine. So in advance, let me apologize, because I can't predict where two Cork men go on a webinar. Um, tonight's format basically is Father Lawrence and I will have a quick chat. Then I've got a few set up questions with Father Lawrence. Then we will open it to the 20, 30 participants that we have, who I'm assuming are eager to ask questions. And given seeing where we are on time, we may even have a chance to do a bit of meditation practice. I'm not sure. We'll see how, how, how succinct we can be. Again, both of us being from Cork, that's a difficulty. So let's start. And Father Lawrence, it's a great pleasure to have you here. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you again, Des. Yes. Yeah, so what I would want to ask as the first question inside here is right, maybe you can give a little bit of your personal journey as to how you've ended up in meditation and where you've ended up here sitting in lovely sunny France in, in May 2020. Well, uh, that's, a, that's a very uh, leading question, but I'll try and... Uh, Cut, cut, cut it down to the bare essentials. I was born actually in London, 
my mother was from Cork, and the older I get, the more Irish I feel. And living as I do now in France, in post-Brexit Britain, it's much easier and safer to be Irish than, uh, than British. But I uh, was introduced to meditation in my early 20s by another Irish monk, Benedictine monk called John Maine, uh, who became my, my spiritual teacher. And uh, discovering meditation was a great moment and beginning of a journey that has, is continuing to change my life. I should say at the beginning that I don't think meditation solves all your problems or all the problems of the world overnight, but it does give a new approach to the challenges and the meaning of life. And the way I understand meditation is it's not just short-term benefits, but it's the deeper fruits of our human spiritual and, and uh, intellectual and emotional and physical dimension. It's the fruits of our full humanity that are, are realized uh, by this practice. And meditation is a universal wisdom. We find it in all of the great uh, wisdom traditions of humanity. No, Father, that's very, very interesting. And that's where, actually, leads on nicely to my next question, right? You're a man of faith, a man of God. And you, your practice, I assume, and from what I've read, is deeply rooted in Christian faith and a Christian tradition. I have intimated to you that I'd love to start a discussion around the Desert Fathers and all the stuff that happened through Christianity around the practice, right? But... This practice engulfs across all religions and, and no religion, all right? And whilst most of our listeners probably are from, associate meditation and meditative practice with Buddhism, one of the things that I was surprised to learn that it's also rooted in a religion such as Islam. And to me, my question is not asking you to talk about others, other religions per se, but what are the similarities and maybe also what are the differences that in the various practices based on the various, shall we say, spiritual starts or spiritual, I'm not sure the right words there, I'm kind of lost. So I let, I, I pass it over to somebody smarter to me than that. Well, well, thank you. Well, I think the question is a very pertinent question, very appropriate question for the 21st century. And at this point in our evolution, uh, as, we, as, you know, as we go through this uh, global crisis, which has descended upon us, and which we don't understand the meaning or the direction of yet. We don't know what's going to happen. But this is a very important question. What do we have in common as human beings? And do we see our differences as divisions and threats and uh, opportunities for, for, for violence and, and uh, withdrawing uh, in opposition to each other? Or do we see our differences as a sign of the rich diversity of human genius and that we can pool these differences and, uh, and, um, and find uh, something to celebrate. That's the question for the 21st century and we're seeing a crisis of globalization. We're also seeing an increase in nationalism and in, uh, and in uh, selfishness on a, on, a cosm on, a, on a global scale. So, Anything that asks us that question, what do we share most deeply in common as human beings and how do we deal with our differences in a positive way? 
And I think meditation offers us an answer to that question. Um, you, you, you talk about religion. I, we don't have time to talk about all the different religions, but yeah, let's just understand. Religion in itself is a human phenomenon. You can't eradicate it in the same way you cannot eradicate art or music. We are religious beings. Um, there have been several attempts to eradicate religion uh, in the last hundred or so years, and rationalism and science and scientism doesn't work. So we have to understand what religion means. Religion, like anything, can be used for good or for bad. There are three elements of religion, and they all have to be present in some form. One is the in the institutional, structural form, you know, the buildings, the, the clergy, the hierarchy, the, the, the chief monks, uh, the Pope, the Dalai Lama, and so on. These, th there is some kind of hierarchy in human organization. So that, ex that exists in religion too. Then you also have a second element, which is the intellectual element. So there are beliefs, there, is, there are theologies, there are doctrines, there are dogma, there are basic principles in every religion. And yet there is a third element, which is the mystical element. And it's this mystical element which is often the problem when it comes to the institutional or the intellectual. Because it's the mystical element of religion, if you like, the deep spiritual experiential interior element of religion that is its true source and meaning. So we find this mystical element in Buddhism, in, uh, in, in Hinduism, in Islam, and, and in Christianity. Now that's where we can meet. And the essential elements of that mystical dimension are to be found in the practice of meditation. And there are three elements there, silence, stillness, and simplicity. Silence, stillness, and simplicity. When you meditate, whether you are a Buddhist or a Christian or a Hindu or, or a Muslim, we are entering into that dimension of human experience where we find ourselves united rather than separated by our differences. That's the, that's the importance of meditation. Now, today, meditation has you know, often been presented and is popularly practiced just as a way of relieving stress. Of course it does, yes, but it's a great deal more than that. It has more meaning than that. And human beings can't, can't be limited just to their problems. You know, too much stress, I can't sleep, I get panic attacks, these are all symptoms of our, of our affluent society and of our just, just our unbalanced society. Uh, the, the more affluent, the richer we become, very often the more unhappy we become. So meditation has been used to relieve some of those symptoms of affluence. But meditation itself is much more important because more than anything else, the human being needs meaning. We need to feel that life is meaningful. 
And what is meaning? Where do we find meaning? Meaning is not just something that we can put into a textbook or into an ideology or into a, a ritual. Meaning is the experience of connection, the experience of wholeness. And that's why people meditate. That's why I meditate. Uh, that's why you meditate, I think. No, no, very, very interesting. And it, it's, you're saying that whether you're coming from no religion or whether you're coming from a religion, the religion or the, the basis is a belief of almost when you get to that space of emptiness, from which I understand meditation is about finding, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, of inner stillness that it's inside there is where you're either spirituality or if you're not spiritual, where the calmness comes in. Is, is it a question of openness, opening yourself up? It's finding, yes. I mean, uh, you could say that the first fruit of meditation is self-knowledge, self-awareness. But this is not so easy because in order to know yourself at this level of your true self, of your deep self, you will have to get rid of or let go of many ideas about yourself that you've got addicted to or you got caught up in. There may be negative self-images. Very often we have negative ideas about ourselves. We're inadequate, we're not successful enough, uh, all sorts of things, you know. Uh, we have to let go of thinking about ourselves. That's the challenge of meditation. Uh, by taking the attention off that stream of thought, which is constantly running through our, our, our minds, that's where we begin to move from the head to the heart. And the heart is the symbol of, of our integrated self, of our true self, our whole self. So meditation is, in my tradition, called the prayer of the heart. So when I meditate, for example, I'm a Christian, it's very important to me that my Christian faith is integrated with my meditation. And it, my meditation has informed and keeps my, my Christian faith alive and fresh. And I'm constantly amazed at what that Christian faith tells me about the world, about myself. But when I meditate, I'm not thinking about God. I'm not speaking to God. I'm not asking God for anything. And as far as possible, I'm not talking to myself. I'm not thinking about myself or my problems or my plans or my, my, my issues. I'm trying to gently take the attention off myself so that I can move quite naturally by the force of gravity from the mind to the heart. And that's where self-knowledge is found. It's not thinking about yourself. It's just experiencing being. And I think this isn't a very difficult concept. There's a difference between being and doing. And clearly, you can't do anything unless you first exist. So being comes before doing. Okay. And in modern life, we have become disconnected from this experience of being. We're no longer human beings, we're human doings. <laughs> and often running around in circles, chasing ourselves and exhausting ourselves. When we teach meditation, we simply teach the wisdom of the, of the ages and the wisdom of, of, of all the traditions, which is to take time 
every day to be. No, that leads me very nicely into the next part of what I just kind of wanted to bring up before we go to audience questions. And it's down there on the right, guys, if you have some questions for Father Lawrence, and I will ask him. But the premise of inner leadership is really to promote meditation to leaders as a way to create contemplative leadership, right? And compassionate leadership, and more effective and better leaders. And I know this is something that's very close to your heart, right? Uh, you've initiated a program in Georgetown Business School that I know of, and I know of some other schools. You have taught some of the foremost leaders of the world who are not necessarily in your, in your own denomination, including here in Singapore, Lee Kuan Yew. Um, so you, what do you see that meditation or somebody who meditates can bring to a, to a workplace or to leadership decisions, including, let's, let me put in the line that everybody's asking these webinars in our COVID-19 situation. Hmm. Well, uh, I, I, I agree with you that um, in our work, we have come to realize that there is a, uh, a great contribution that teaching meditation to leaders can make to the world. Clearly the world is in a state of disarray and confusion and of danger. We shouldn't underestimate the conflict that may be ahead of us, the turbulence. So it's of vital importance that we have leadership. And unfortunately, when you look around the world, there are some pretty bad leaders. We won't go into details. It's interesting to, to, to read recently uh, various reports, New York Times uh, study of the countries that dealt with the um, COVID-19 crisis. Most effectively were countries run by women, with women as head, heads of the government. And one of the reasons for that may not just be that they're women, it's because they are societies that elected women to the highest office because they trusted women in leadership positions. They, they had a healthier, more balanced, more integrated approach. So we need clearly a, a different approach to leadership and that is emerging. I see that working with MBA students as we do with our course at Georgetown University in Washington. Uh, there's a new quality, a new kind of leadership uh, waiting to be born and this is a leadership that's going to be based upon a spirit of service rather than of exploitation and a leadership that is not driven by the ego only. We need an ego. I'm not saying we don't need an ego, but not only led by the ego, but a leadership that is led by this experience of being that I was talking about. So leaders who however busy they are, however stressed out they may be, will understand the wisdom and the necessity for sitting each day in stillness, silence, and simplicity. I'm always struck when I meet many uh, leaders, you know, very high-powered financial leaders, for example, around the world, uh, and politicians, how many of them really look, look good. They clearly work out. 
they must have a discipline of, of good diet and, and good exercise every day. They have the discipline for that, but we also need the discipline for spiritual exercise, to be able to lay aside our thoughts, as I was saying, to sit, to move from, um, uh, from doing and planning what we're going to do uh, to being who we are. That creates a self-knowledge, a self-awareness that translates into a different kind of leadership. Because whether you are a leader or not, you will see the fruits of meditation in your relationships with other people. Yeah, and, no, uh, I'm, and, uh, yeah, I think which is brilliant. And I just want to go back a tiny bit. Right. The Georgetown course has been running for how long now? I think it's been running for about seven or eight years now. So yeah. you are putting cohorts of, how do I say, meditative trained uh, MBA students outside. Because if I understand it correctly, it is one of the most popular, if not the most popular elective in the MBA. It is. It is actually. I, and it has it's been very... Uh, a very a great gift to me and to the, uh, the other people now who lead the course uh, to see the response of these young adults, you know, usually in their 30s, early 30s. Or, um, they are really looking, they're really open to this. Most of them would say that they come into the meditation, first of all, the course is called Meditation and Leadership. But they come in primarily because they want to I, you know, uh, deal with stress and uh, have a better harmony in their life. But they're also looking for something deeper. So we give this uh, course uh, twice a year, each semester. And we've recently started, uh, the business school is 100% behind this, is urging us to do more and more. Uh, we've also started a course for undergraduates uh, at the business school as well. And, and so, how long is that course generally? Is it an hour or two hours or is it longer? Well, each, each class is, a, is an hour and a half. Uh, and in the MBA course, we do six, uh, six weeks, two classes a week. Uh, we, ask, we, we want to try to get the students to get into a practice of meditation, first of all. Uh, and we give them a basic history of meditation, uh, the scientific evidence for meditation. And then we, we look in detail at how meditation uh, deals helps you, deals to, to, to manage yourself to, uh, and to be leaders with a spirit of service and also of ethical insight, you know, that these are, these are good leaders in every sense. Actually, in Singapore, I, I, I gave a series of talks to DP Architects, uh, which is a remarkable, uh, uh, very large uh, Architect, uh, firm of architects. We, we, will, we will see some of their work in a few minutes. We'll keep going. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> so out, of the, out of that came a book uh, that I, I, we published recently called Good, good Work. And uh, the definition of good work that I proposed is good work. We all want to do good work. Good work is the work that brings out the best in you, but also is of tangible benefits to other people. Yeah, and, and I know, I think brilliant, and I'm going to go on to DP Architects now because I'm going to show a quick video of your new spiritual home. But you've whet my appetite for the Lawrence and that why, 
and maybe we can talk this why this this six weeks course you have in Georgetown that is seems to be all encompassing and has lasted seven years of MBA students who are kind of fairly aggressive, right? Um, and plus, you know, if Georgetown, if I understand, is that, is that a Jesuit? No, it's a holy, it's a holy, holy fathers uh, college. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a run by Jesuits, but it's a secular. It's a secular, yeah, it's a secular university. Secular, uh, it's inclusive. It's it's not by no means. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a religious uh, university. It's very. Bill, Bill Clinton went to law school there, uh, so it's produced leaders and in, in, in diplomats and uh, business and politics. Um, so it's very uh, inclusive, but it does have a, a very real appreciation of the spiritual dimension of education. Yeah, no, so for me, it's more, how do we get this more evangelized as in a, in a way of leadership? Because I think it makes an effect, as they say, you need to teach the younger generation. So now, everybody here, bear with me. I'm going to show an am animation that was produced a year or two ago. Uh, Father Lawrence is now in the finished product. We'll talk over a little bit, a bit of it. Um, Father Lawrence and WCCM, the group that he leads, has uh, built a new spiritual home in uh, eastern Fr Western France. Yeah, and uh, let me get to this. I'm sharing screen and I'll just play a little bit. And um, this is the work of DP Architects, hopefully inspired. Oh, yes. All right. So this is a little old, but this is the best. This is one of the ones I could find. So maybe we can talk a little bit over it, Father Lawrence. This, is, this was your dream. How did this dream come about? Well, uh, over the last 40 years, uh, a worldwide community has developed through the practice of meditation in more than 100 countries. And we called ourselves a monastery without walls. And um, we began to think, is this a good time for us to have a physical center? And we consulted with our uh, national coordinators and the consensus was, yes, we should. So we began to look for a place. And uh, I think we were led to a, a beautiful place called Bonveau near Poitiers, about an hour and a half south of Paris. And uh, it has, when I first arrived here, uh, no, yes, you can see, anyway, <laughs> I won't try to give a commentary on this because it's going too fast, but um, it had an immediate impact on us when we, when we first saw it, because it was a, a Benedictine monastery from the 12th century. So it's uh, seven, uh, 800 years old. Um, but of course, in the beginning after the French Revolution, it, it went into private hands. Uh, but it has a very strong, beautiful energy, both of beauty and of, and of spiritual depth and beautiful nature. So it seemed to us to be uh, the right place, but there was a lot of work needed to be done, renovation and so on. And DP Architects in uh, Singapore have generously given their services free to the design. And I was just, in fact, just before talking with you, I was talking with them in Singapore about uh, the ongoing work here. So it, we're halfway through with the main house where the community lives and some guests is being finished. We call it the Abbey, the Abbey. And then the stables are being converted into the guest house, which we hope will be open by spring of next year. 
And so the idea uh, behind this is as a kind of a retreat space where people can come and either stay for a week or two or do organized retreats around meditation. It's a silent place, correct? It is. We have a, at the heart of Bonveau is a, a, a small resident community and we live a rhythm of life based upon ancient wisdom, uh, based upon the body, the mind and the spirit. That's work. We do all sorts of different work. You know, I'm working now. Uh, we also work on the land. We have a little organic farm. Uh, we work with, and then with guests, with hospitality. Uh, we have uh, uh, time for reading, for study, for conversation, for discussion, for exploration at the mental, intellectual level. And then we also have time uh, for, for prayer. That's the, the heart of it. Our times of meditation, morning, midday, and evening. So that's the rhythm of our life or the frame, if you like, of our life. And when people come here, they, they can ride on that rhythm. And uh, I think they find it very healing, uh, very uh, helpful to, 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 to re-center themselves, to rebalance. And our idea is, of course, that people can come as individuals. They can also come as groups. We'll have business groups. We'll have educational groups. Georgetown Business School uh, was supposed to be here, I think, this week, actually. but. <laughs> obviously we weren't able to come uh, so we want to we want to be able to offer this simple experience of meditation uh, to a very wide range of people in the secular world in the business world in the professional world in health in education in uh, business and politics and um, if you go to our website the Bonvo website uh, you'll see a program, much of it now is being uh, put on online because of the crisis. Um, so we're doing a lot of online retreats, online conferences, online uh, talks. Um, if you go to the Bombo website, you'll, 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 you'll find it there. Um, so I, we, we, we think that by being who we are here and sharing what we have to share, we are making a, a small contribution to peace in the world. Um, but you can't contribute to peace in the world unless you've got peace in yourself. Yeah, uh, and just, and just one clarification there for Lawrence is that if I wanted to come and stay for a month and I wasn't a Catholic, that's not a problem if I understand correctly. No, no, I'm afraid that's a very Irish Catholic question. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. But the clarity is you don't oh, have to. Old Catholic. No, no, we're we're uh, we're, we are uh, our inspiration, our roots uh, are, is is is, Christ, is contemplative Christianity, but uh, that means actually an inclusive uh, approach and hospitality and welcome. Uh, we've just finished a series of dialogues with uh, some Buddhist teachers. We think interreligious dialogue is very important, but we're also in dialogue with scientists and with uh, business people and so on. So um, our, our approach to, uh, as it were, the spiritual dimension is very inclusive. I mean, we know where our own center of gravity is, but that gives us, I think, an expansive approach. 
Hi. Okay. So, Florence, we've got a couple of questions, and I'm also conscious of time because at the end, I'm not sure how long I have you for, but I'd love you to talk a tiny bit about the practice. So, maybe we can just ask one or two of the questions we have. Um, are you going to me to ask? Hannah is going to ask, though she doesn't want to be seen on screen. Um, so, uh, Father Lawrence, there is a beautiful intersection of being in the moment while doing in our human timeline. Meditation brings us back to the moment, fully awake and aware and present, so that we can bring our best selves to the business of doing. That's just a comment. Yeah, that's a comment, but also I think it would be interesting to hear, hear your view on that comment. No, I think it's a, it's a very insightful comment. And um, I think, uh, you know, it reminds us that meditation as a practice is very practical. It's not a theoretical, philosophical uh, 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 experience. It, it is experiential and practical. In other words, if you want to learn to meditate, meditate. And if you want to meditate, try to meditate every day. Integrate it into the, into the rhythm of daily life. Actually, a lot of people who've been confined at home during this uh, pandemic have found that uh, first, they found a real panic. If they didn't have any spiritual practice in their life before, it was very possible that they began to panic, they began to stress out, uh, they began to act dysfunctionally even. And we know there, there's, there's an unhappy side to that in terms of addiction or even uh, domestic abuse. So, but I think what a lot of people have discovered is that time management, deciding what you're going to do during the day and prioritizing it is the first step to harmony and peace within yourself. So many people, I, you know, we, and we've helped them to do this through a particular website we started called A Contemplative Path Through the Crisis. And A, a Contemplative Path Through the Crisis website helped people to develop a, uh, a daily practice of meditation morning and evening. That balances the day in a beautiful way. You don't have to meditate for 10 hours. You can meditate for 20 minutes in the morning and in the evening. But be regular. Be regular about it. It takes time. And you, you may find it's difficult to do it every day. But start. Just start. And keep going. So, um, and there's a great, there's a great saying in my tradition of, of meditation from my early monastic roots back a thousand, more than a thousand years. And the saying is in Latin, experientia magistra, which means experience is the teacher. So if you want to learn to meditate, just open yourself to the experience. And you'll find that a wisdom, a sense, a, a practical wisdom will begin to speak to you in, in the daily challenges and opportunities and, and problems of life. And you meditate not just when you feel like it, you meditate because this is part of your regular life. And it will help you to deal with the ups and downs, the sufferings, as well as understanding the joys of living, because life is made up of both. Life is made up of light and darkness, we all know that. And meditation gives us, really grounds us in this 
experience of being, and that's why it gives us this feeling of peace. But the, the, the most important thing is practice. The second most important thing is a, is a regular practice. No, th thank you so much. And all the links that Father Lawrence um, mentions, we will pick them up. We will make sure they're on our website so they're linked back to his as well. Okay, so one or two other questions, and I, I hope I have you till the hour, have I, Father? Yes, yes. No, I, I think it, having spoken so much about meditation, it would be a pity if we didn't have at least a, a short time of meditation together. <laughs> so, Hannah, sure. your next question. Um, yeah, so this sounds a bit more about the practicality of meditation. So, um, Michelle asks, during meditation, I concentrate on my breath. However, I always feel so tired and unrested and my mind is so active during meditation. How can I do it better? Well, thank you, Michelle. That's a, that's a, a very useful, practical question. And I think many people would, 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 um, would want to ask it to, and, to, and to think about it as well. Um, first of all, there are different uh, methods of meditation. All, let me just make one short point first. First of all is that there is a distinction between mindfulness, as it is taught very widely today, and meditation, although sometimes the language confuses them. But mindfulness, which comes from a Buddhist tradition, uh, is essentially about preparing you for meditation. So preparing your body, preparing your mind, calming down, and so on. The next step, and this is the important one we're, we're, which we're involved in, is meditation itself. And in meditation, we take the attention off ourselves. In mindfulness, the attention remains on yourself until you, until you come to a, a certain level of calmness and, and quiet. And that's important, and it helps, helps you a lot. But then the meditation really begins when you start to take the attention off your own thoughts and plans and memories and anxieties and fantasies and all of that jumble of monkey mind chatter that we have in our minds. So to do that in the, in the tradition that we teach from, and it's also a, a universal uh, tradition, we take a single word or a short phrase and repeat this word or phrase gently but faithfully throughout the time of the meditation. So we sit down, we sit still, we close our eyes, and then we breathe normally, and we begin to recite interiorly, silently, a single word or a short phrase, and stay with the same word. You could call it a sacred word, a meditation word, a prayer word, or a mantra. So you stay with your mantra, you stay with your word all the way through the meditation and you stay with the same word uh, each time you meditate. And the effect of that is very wonderful. The word then begins to stabilize itself in you and to calm you down. It's like an anchor in a rough sea. So it gives you a, a point of a balance and of stability and flexibility, but stability. So this is the way we teach meditation. And uh, you'll find that when you first start to meditate, exactly what you describe 
can happen. You feel full of negative emotions. It might be restlessness, as you, as you describe it, or fear, or anger, or some memory of some pain that you've been through in the past, or some anxiety about what's going to happen uh, in the world and your job or the finances uh, in the next uh, phase of this crisis. So very naturally, that will be the first weather that you find. It's a bit like, I haven't been in a plane for more than three months, but it's a bit like being in a plane and the plane takes off, but then it has to go through maybe some turbulent, some turbulent uh, weather conditions. And it may be knocked around a little bit. And that's why you have to keep the seatbelts on uh, for, for the first part of the trip. But then when it, gets, it, when it gets above the clouds and it gets to the right you know, meteorological level, it's, it just flies peacefully and, and stably. You can get up and walk around. So it's the same with meditation. At first, it's as if you hit this turbulent weather and don't give up, don't give up. Just sit, keep the seatbelt on and your mantra is a bit like your seatbelt. It will strengthen you and stabilize you and just keep you going. And then you'll find over time that uh, the weather pattern in your mind becomes less turbulent, less anxious. And you'll see this as affecting the rest of your life too. You'll, see, you'll find that your mind is becoming less anxious, less cluttered, uh, less uncontrolled, and you'll be, in a, you'll be less controlled by your negative emotions. You may, of course, we all feel frightened, we all feel sad, we all feel depressed at times, but these feelings won't overwhelm you so much. And this is the result of a, of a, of a gentle, steady, Practice. Meditation is a way of moderation. It's a middle way. It's not a way of extremism, but it, it is a, a discipline. And we often don't, we, people don't like the word discipline, but no one's forcing you to do this. This is a discipline that you take on yourself because you, you realize the need for it. And we all know that we need discipline in our life. So here is a fundamental discipline of being learning how to be. So what we, what we teach then is this very simple method of repeating the word gently, continuously, and coming back to the word however many times you get distracted. And at first, you will feel a complete and total failure. You will feel, I can't even say my word for two seconds without thinking about something else. So, that's, this is where it's very helpful to meditate with other people from time to time and online groups have multiplied immensely around the world in our community uh, in, in recent months. People need and find real value in meditation together. So don't give up. And if you give up, okay, just come back to it and start again. Everybody's got their own learning pattern. Um, but it is a learning process, but it's wonderful what you learn, what you're learning about yourself, what you're learning about the nature of reality. And for example, 
what, what you come slowly to realize is that the peace and the joy that we would like to have in our life is not found outside of ourselves. It's, you don't find peace by fixing all the problems around you. And you don't find joy by getting all the things you want. The peace and the joy are part of our very beings. I would say, in my language, the presence of God within you. A Buddhist might say, this is our true nature. It amounts to the same thing. So, Father Don, that's great. That's great. And, we, and we'll get, hopefully get a chance to just practice it. One last question to, to get through. I have about 20 more, but I'm not going to ask, ask you to stay all night. But I, um, Hannah, last question. Um, this one, I think, ties together kind of the inner leadership and meditation well. So if there are people in your team who do not believe in meditation or silence and act out in different ways with negative emotions, how do you support them as a leader? How would you carry difficult conversations with them? Yeah, very good question. Well, first of all, you have to have resources as a leader. You have to have resources within yourself to be able to face, let's say, anger in another person without you becoming angry as you deal with them. So there has to be a healthy detachment or an optimum distance between you and the, and the negative person or the negative energy they have inside them. For that, you need to be grounded in your own inner peace. Uh, and that's where the regular practice of meditation will make you uh, a centered and, and an other-centered leader. So when you see somebody in your team who is really being a pain in the neck and creating disruption, I think your first response to them is not anger or you know, let's get rid of them. Your first response will be to see that they're suffering. There's a very simple principle here. When we look at people, the very first question we should ask is not, what are they doing? Why aren't they doing what they should be doing? Why aren't they doing what I told them to do? It's not about their performance. You may have to ask, how are they suffering? And that question is compassion in action. And if you have that approach to this hypothetical person, then that person will feel it. They will know that you are giving them a different kind of attention. And if you sustain that, you can be sure that it is going to change your relationship with them. If they know that they are receiving that kind of attention from you, not just judgment and not just manipulation and not threats, if you're patient enough, and that means if you are grounded enough in yourself, you will hopefully be able to have an influence on them. Um, so I, I don't think you just say to somebody if they're acting, acting out very badly, you don't say, 
you should meditate. Uh, that may, may come a bit later. But I think you want them to feel that in your eyes, they are a person in trouble, a person in distress, a person suffering. And just to be aware that you are looking at them like that is going to make a difference in the way they can relate to you. That's, that's the first step. And then take it from there. So, Father, I'm very conscious of the time. We have a few more questions, but I don't think we really have time to take them because I would really like to extend a couple of minutes to do some meditative practice, if that's okay. And we, sure. can, we can answer these directly later. Um, to me, very grateful for taking this time. I'd love if you could lead us in, 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 a, in a practice. What I normally ask inside here is, is there any particular practice that you think is applicable to, to the work? But as far as I understand it, and this is projection, so uh, please forgive me if I'm wrong, is that for you, meditation is about what you're going to show us now about using the word getting into deep and deep silence there isn't it's less of mindfulness that some of our other practitioners would yeah do. yeah if i, I might yeah. be incorrect but yeah and i'm not i'm not selling this method but i can only teach what i have learned and what i know and um there is a, there is a difference between the preparation for meditation and that could be a wide variety of practices. It could be yoga, it could be uh, breathing, it could be just stretching, it could be listening to some music, it could be, uh, you know, just physical or mental preparation. But let's say that you're as, as calm as you can be, uh, whatever you need to do, even if it's just having a stretch, you know, just getting yourself uh, unlocked a little bit physically. Um, then you sit down, whether you sit on the floor on a cushion or whether you sit, uh, I can't see, I can't find my meditation cushion here now, but uh, whether you sit on a cushion or whether you sit in a chair, um, keep your back straight, your feet on the ground, your hands you could put on your lap or on your knees. So just move your shoulders around a little bit your neck. So you're just beginning to feel two things, relaxed and also alert, be awake. Then relax the muscles of your face, your forehead, your jaw, and close your eyes lightly. So this is, this is a little preparation physical and mental preparation. You could just take a few moments to be aware of your breath. We breathe, whatever it is, 20, 30,000 times a day. Just be aware of two or three of those cycles of breath. Breath is our constant companion through life. As we breathe in the gift of life and we let it go again. This is a little lesson in what meditation is about. First of all, we have to accept the gift of our being. That awakens in us a spirit of gratitude. But we can't possess it. 
It's pure gift. And so we breathe out, we let go. Now to go a little deeper in this, we begin to take the attention off our thoughts. So your thoughts will continue, some, maybe very strongly. Maybe you'll be interrupted, you know, continuously by your thoughts, memories, plans, anxieties. That's okay. Meditation is not what you think. Meditation is not what you think. So you don't have to suppress your thoughts, but you learn to take your attention off your thoughts. And to do that, you take a word and you repeat the same word continuously during the time of the meditation. It's natural to take a word that, if you, uh, that is sacred in your own tradition, if you have a, a, a spiritual tradition. The word that we recommend is a universal word, and it is the word Maranatha. It's four syllables, Ma-ra-na-tha. Ma-ra-na-tha. Four syllables. ma so begin to re recite the word interiorly in your mind, in your heart. Say it gently without force. Say it attentively. And the wonderful thing is you've got nothing else to do during the next few minutes except to say this word. You don't have to solve any problems, anticipate any issues make any judgments, you can simply let go of your thoughts and keep returning gently, faithfully, lovingly to your word in a way that you will come to understand. By doing this, you are caring for yourself. You are loving yourself. And this will make you a more loving and caring person. So, Sit with your back straight, sit still, close your eyes, and then silently, interiorly, begin to repeat your word. And the word again I would recommend is the word Maranatha. Four syllables, Maranatha. And I'll time it with this, um, with this little timer that we have on our website.
Ireland now, Lodge. What?
Good, so let's end with three words meaning the same thing. Shanti, Shalom, Peace. Good. Is the audio still playing for her? Is it supposed Sorry? To There's an audio still playing. There's a pray prayer in the background. Oh, I, I, I can't hear it. Well, I think that, that might be not technically wasn't what you meant inside her, but it's it's good. It's a, a, a decadent rosary is playing at the back. Oh, I see. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, it's, it's good. So, Father, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I will be sharing all your details in our uh, on our website and with with with, uh, with with stuff. We will have various recordings of this, which we will put up and we will share with yourself, because I think there were some nice learnings inside here that are that that are nice little chunks. And thank you so much. And hopefully, we will get to chat again soon. A pleasure to be with you, and thank you for your good work, Des. It's, uh, no, it's a no problem, no problem. I'm, I'm looking forward to going to Bonvo. It was planned for the next week or two, but yeah. um, <laughs> that's not happening either. <laughs>